He's a retired sheriff's commander with more than 30 years experience. Line of duty deaths, murders, many other forms of trauma took its toll on him. He wrote a book called Sorry to Amazing Grace, One Cop's Journey, which is made into a movie in 2022. And he's also co-author of the book Gunrunner. He's coming up on the Law Enforcement Today show. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. There was social media, and then there was social audio. Now the Breakout app combines the best of both. Best of all, the Breakout app is free with versions for iPhone and Android devices. You can download the app for free at the App Store and Google Play, or you can download for free at www.letbreak.com. Connecting from Arizona, we have Keith Notech on the phone. Keith is a retired sheriff's police and police commander, uh, 30 years law enforcement experience. He's been on the show before. Such a great story, great interview. Uh, he's written several books, including From Sorrow to Amazing Grace, One Cop's Journey, which has turned into a movie titled One Cop's Journey in 2022. And his latest book, he co-authored Gunrunner, is a true story of our friend, Boston area detective Mario Oliveira, his miraculous recovery after being shot six times in the line of duty and dying three times. Keith, man, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank you, brother. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And I hope all is well with you. In retrospect, because I know some of your story, it's kind of hard not to have great days compared to the bad days you came from. Oh, man, you got that right. I tell people I'm living my best life now. Isn't that amazing? When, and it's so easy to forget uh, when I get wrapped up in the daily struggles to fret how grateful I should be. Amen. Yeah. Living an attitude of gratitude and gratefulness is huge for me now. One of the things I tell people, and when I think about it, I laugh. I remember being a street cop working Baltimore in the wintertime, midnight shift and thinking, I, I never could imagine being where I'm at now. So first of all, being the age I am is unimaginable. But secondly, <laughs> living in Florida, being a radio DJ, a syndicated radio show host, all that stuff really was not in my mind at all. I was just trying to stay alive. I hear you. You didn't think you were going to live this long, did you? I did. If you ask me, uh, a very short for your story, I remember talking to a couple of my side partners, that's the term we used, in Baltimore, and I, mm-hmm. I pulled them aside, and it was a very, very violent area of work, and I said, listen, if something happens to me and I'm dying, don't let me die in the, the sewer or in a storm right. drain. Throw me in the back of a wagon. Let me die there. Somewhere with some respect. I really thought that was in the cards for me. Wow. Yeah, said, here I am, an old man, go figure. 
Amen. Yeah. That's great. So yours, we, really quick, your story you talked about before, you were on yes. a job, and I think you talked about a line of duty shooting where your side partner was killed. Am I correct? That's correct. I, I was involved in three shootings, but uh, one of them was a, a deputy uh, fatal involved shooting, and uh, very terrible. That was in 97. And if you're like me, that doesn't go away. You still feel the effects of that. Yeah, absolutely. You can't unsee that. No. And here's here's the funny thing. And I don't mean funny as in ha-ha funny. I say that all the time. It's ironic, but I haven't learned to accept that I went through these things and there was life before and life after. And I'm changed. Not necessarily for the worse or for the better, but I'm just changed. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, those types of traumatic events, they, they forever change, uh, change us. I mean, like I said, you can't unsee that, you know, sometimes, uh, a sight, a sound or a smell will actually trigger those, uh, old thoughts of the past. It'll, it'll drum it up. And then I'll, you know, I'll think of Randy, my deputy in the shooting. And then I start envisioning the, the muzzle flash and I just, you know, I have to shake it off and, um, you know, either by meditation or, or praying or whatever, because if I don't, um, it can become very debilitating like it did in the past. Yeah. And that, that's a great way to describe it for me. I pray, I meditate, and I also isolate. And that's a term a lot of people don't like and mm-hmm. the, the therapy world. Uh, here's a great example. On July 4th, we had the Highland Park shooting. I was yes. so disturbed. It triggered up so much stuff in me. And I don't like the term triggered up, but my wife went to see fireworks for her sister. I just stayed home. I knew yeah. I was not in a space to be around a lot of people because here's what happened. I'll snap at someone who doesn't deserve it. And then I feel guilty about that. So rather than have that happen, I just remove myself till I get back to a better spot. But the, the important thing is you recognize that, you know, self-awareness is huge. Uh, I used to not recognize certain things within myself. My, my wife would, could see an episode coming on with me before I even knew what was happening. She knows me so well. Um, now, I'm kind of like you in that way. It's like my head's not in the right space right now, and I just need to take a time out. Because uh, put me in a room full of people, it's probably not a good a good mix. Yeah, we have so much in common that way. And my wife, who I met years after retiring from police work, is really an expert on, on viewing me, watching me. And quite often, she'll be the number one indicator that things are not, I'm not where I need to be. And right. code words, we don't have that sort of stuff. You know, like, say banana. And it's not, not, <laughs> we don't have yeah. that. She'll just look at me and go, you're not okay, let's go. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, all good. right, I trust you. You're you're my team. You're on my teammate. You're you're my partner, my lover, my wife. I trust you. I'm gonna follow your advice. Absolutely. God gives us wives for a reason. I think and that's one of them. <laughs> Not because we deserve it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I want to fast forward all the the shootings you've been involved in, all the trauma that you experienced. Without telling your story, it took a toll. And one of the tolls that a lot of people, a lot of first responders, a lot of law enforcement officers in particular will resort to is alcohol. Was that in the cards for you? Absolutely. That was my medicine of choice. You know, it wasn't cool to seek mental health uh, help 
back in the 80s and 90s, and uh, and in some sense even today. I mean, it's getting better, but. Um, I, I held everything inside. I didn't talk about these things. I kept everything close to the vest. And uh, I surely wasn't going to go seek counseling or, or get on some type of medication because if word got out, you know, people would think, you know, this guy's a train wreck. You know, especially, you know, I was in supervision and, and management longer than I was um, a line cop on the street, you know, as a patrol sergeant and, and such. And it's like, these guys aren't going to follow the, the supervisor into a burning building because the guy's crazy, you know? Yeah, and it's all so caught I, up I in a career ender back then, too. Yeah, yeah. If you so said, I drank it, it, in, it, it, in private. Yeah, if you said, if I said back then, hey, I'm struggling, the first thing it is they what they called the rubber gun squad. You had, yep. you're suspended, and I understand why, and mm-hmm. you're relieved of your weapons, all that stuff, and you usually put it on a desk job. And exactly. everybody knew that you're rubber gunned. Everyone knew it, and you knew it, and it was uh, almost like the walk of shame. Right. Yeah. It's embarrassing. And, and, you know, I was so, you know, back in the day, I was so full of pride um, that my, my job was my identity. You know, I, I ate, lived and breathed to be a cop. You know, it wasn't what I did for work. That's, that's who I was. So to take me off the street and throw me on a desk, um, you know, would just be humiliating. So that, you know, I didn't talk, like I said, I didn't talk about these things. Absolutely. We're talking with Keith Notek. He is a retired law enforcement officer, 30 years on the job, also a published author. One of the books turned into a movie. When we return, we're going to talk more about how he used alcohol to cope with the trauma and then how he rebuilt his life afterwards and then got into writing. This is Law Enforcement Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Imagine if you were one of the first on social media or on social audio apps. Here's your chance to be one of the first on the free breakout app that combines the best of social audio and social media. Get it at letbreak.com. There's a free version for your iPhone and Android devices. Be sure to follow John J. Wiley of the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show and Podcast. Use a profile at LET Radio Show. Get it for free at letbreak.com or at the App Store and Google Play. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Joining us on the Law Enforcement Today Show, Keith Notek. He's a retired law enforcement officer, more than 30 years experience in law enforcement. And he's also a published author. He wrote the book, Sorrow to Amazing Grace, One Cop's Journey, which was turned into a movie titled One Cop's Journey. That was in 2022. His latest book, Gunrunner, co-authored. It's a story of Boston area detective Mario Oliveira, who's been on the show. He's a miracle walking and talking. He was shot six times, died three times in the line of duty. And it's all documented in his book, Gunrunner. Keith, you talked about all the trauma of the job. And yes, a big part of the coping skills for you and for a lot of people is to drink. And I get it. We, we drink alcohol so that we can 
quiet the beast. And it's a phrase that's used too often. But just so you can try to get knocked out, go to sleep, or to feel better. Was that the scenario for you? You just nailed it right on the head. Um, initially, I was having, um, for lack of better terms, PTSD dreams. Um, I, I would start to doze off and then hear gunfire in my sleep and see muzzle flash, and um, it, it would startle me and, and awaken me, and I wasn't sleeping. So initially, I started drinking more and more um, alcohol at, at night before bed to basically knock myself out to go to sleep, you know, to take off the anxiety and the edge. And then, uh, you know, eventually, like, you know, alcohol, just like anything else, it's very, very subtle, and um, it snuck up on me. I needed more and more alcohol to achieve the desired effect. So, um, you know, after a a significant uh, critical incident, I'd come home from my shift and I would drink over it. Rather than talk about these things, uh, I certainly wasn't going to talk to my wife about it because I didn't want her to know, you know. I, I mean, I'm not dumb. I know she's aware law enforcement is, is a dangerous profession. I just didn't want to make her worry. So I'd come home and drink. And that was my coping my coping mechanism at that time. And I, that makes perfect sense. I did the same thing. And I didn't tell my wife at the time because I didn't want her to be more worried. I didn't want That's her right. to think that, hey, I'm starting to crack, whatever it might be. I got this. I'm good. And I had myself fooled, Keith, that when I pulled the Velcro off of the soft body armor, that was almost like a psychological switch. Okay, I turned from Cop J into Dad J or Husband J. And I, I was good at that for a long time until I wasn't mm-hmm. anymore. And then it was sitting in a chair, watching television, not talking, and drinking till I passed out. There was nothing yep. glamorous about it. No, not at all. Yeah, it, was, it just, I mean, alcohol is so cunning, baffling, and powerful. You know, I, I wrote about it in my first book. It's like the big bad wolf. It's just, it's standing at the door to your house, waiting to huff, puff, and, and, and blow your whole house down, your whole life away, you know? It sounds like and, it got pretty uh, it, bad for you. It did. It it really did. You know, I managed to, I retired in January of 2015. And in 20, uh, 2014, I decided, I made a conscious decision. I'm like, I'm going to just quit drinking cold turkey. I'm, I'm going to abstain from alcohol. And I did what's called white knuckle sobriety. I, I didn't work any kind of a program. I didn't uh, seek help. I just, I just quit. Um, I wasn't having any real like peace in my life. Um, you know, I still had anxiety and fear, um, but I managed to stay sober because I knew that my retirement date was coming up in 2015, and I didn't want to be that you know, turn into that old retired cop that's sitting around the house with the TV on drinking all day. I didn't want to be that guy. Right. And and unfortunately, a lot of those guys, and I mean, men and women, when I say guys, they drink themselves to death two years after they retire. They're gone. That's right. Some people never get it. They never get the gift 
the gift of sobriety and, and living a blessed life. You know, uh, unfortunately, I had to learn the hard way uh, because, you know, even after retirement, bad things still happen. Um, you know, my wife was dealing with some, some uh, serious medical issues. My father died uh, six months after he died. My father-in-law died. A couple of my closest friends died. Um, one of my deputies uh, in California, his wife was a police officer. She was shot and killed in the line of duty. And uh, I just cracked. I self-imploded, and I went out and drank again. Um, you know, and uh, finally in 2019, um, I had, like, truly a spiritual experience. Um, and I woke up one day after praying, and, and uh, it was like, I don't know, in in an extreme time of turmoil, I felt nothing but peace, and I decided I was going to abstain from drinking, and I was going to change everything in my life, and uh, that's exactly what I did. That's a rather tall task to say, I'm going to change everything. I'm waking up one day and say, enough, I'm done, and here's the really baffling part. I had lots of willpower, Keith. I'm mm-hmm. sure you did, too, and I could do this. But why, when I try to apply that willpower to this, did I struggle so much? Yeah. If that was the well, answer, I would have figured it out a long time ago. Exactly. I, I honest, Honestly, you know, it takes what it takes, and that's what it took for me. But, um, you know, I'm glad I am where I am today. Uh, but, man, I wish I had done it sooner. I get it. I had a, a guest on the show fairly recently I'll choose his first name, Martin. And mm-hmm. Martin did 17, oh, almost 18 years in prison. And he hit someone in drunk driving and killed two people and severely injured a third. And those people were all in recovery, all sober people. And mm-hmm. he's used that as an impetus to change his life, change his direction. And now he's a big advocate for uh, reducing drunk driving fatalities. And, and a, a phenomenal interview, difficult to talk about. When we talk about alcohol becoming a problem in people's lives, we automatically think, or many of us think, hey, drunk driving arrest, something bad happened, uh, someone got killed, someone got injured. There was none of that stuff in your scenario, was there? Actually, there was. Um, I got arrested uh, in 2019. Uh, I, I rear-ended a car, and some people got injured. Um, fortunately, it wasn't more serious than it was, but it was serious enough to get my attention. And that was the pivotal moment in my life when I decided to make a change. Something had to change. I didn't know how to do it, but I cried out to God and said, God, help me. And, um, and he did. I'm he, sure he truly did. As a retired cop talking to another retired cop, you never, ever in your life imagined you'd be the one getting locked up. No, no, never. I never thought I'd be that guy. Um, I never wanted to be that guy. That's the key. That's the key right there. None of us ever wanted. I never, to this day, I don't ever want the police being called to my house for any reason whatsoever. I don't want to be a source of trouble. I don't want to be them in my life. And I don't mean as a negative because I love cops. I really do. I just don't want to be the cause of them having to come Lights and sirens on because Jay's lost it again. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're talking with Keith Notech. There's so much more to his story. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back.
Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore because now you can listen to it on Podopolo, the free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. Has this ever happened to you? You sign up for a free email newsletter, and within hours, you're receiving tons of spam. That won't happen when you subscribe for the free Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. Returning to our conversation with Keith Notek on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Keith is a retired law enforcement officer, more than 30 years of law enforcement experience in California. He's written several books, including From Sorrow to Amazing Grace, One Cop's Journey, which has turned into a movie titled One Cop's Journey in 2022. His latest book, Gunrunner, is a true story of our friend, Boston area detective Mario Oliveira. He was shot six times in the line of duty, died three times. And it's all about his miraculous recovery. And uh, he's such a, a walking, talking miracle. But then again, so are you. And so on. We went to break, Keith. You, you talked about getting arrested, a traffic accident, driving on the influence. That was a big turning point for you. That was a big wake-up call for you, wasn't it? Absolutely. That was huge. Absolutely pivotal to, to the way I live my life today. That's what it took. I was such a tough nut to crack. It took something like that for me to, to really uh, affect positive change. And you know who I feel badly for? Uh, and I don't want people to misconstrue it. If they do, that, that's on them. I feel badly not just for you going through that or the people you hit, but I really feel bad for the other cops that had to lock you up because they don't want to be in that particular situation. Absolutely. It, it was a horrible situation for everybody involved. You know, not just me. I mean, sure, I could be selfish and woe is me and all of that, but I caused it. You know, uh, those those people didn't deserve, you know, just driving down the road, minding their own business and having me run into the back of them. And like you said, the police officers, you know, nobody want, no one in law enforcement wants to, to arrest another police officer. No, they never do. As a matter of fact, I wasn't big on, on locking anybody up. And it really wasn't the vast majority of what we did, contrary to what Hollywood tells you. And the people we did arrest, not all of them were adversarial or difficult. Only a small percentage were, but the small percentage, man, that stays with you. A very long oh, time. Yeah. You know who else I'm sure didn't deserve that was your wife when she got the phone call. No, no, not at all. You know, she was at her wits end. It caused so many relational issues in, in our marriage. You know, um, it caused a rift between my adult daughters and me. You know, I actually lost a couple of friends over it. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I just try to live my life today and be a living amends to, to all of those people that I've hurt. You also are aware that in many ways you are a miracle because, and this is just the terminology you use, there's a triad that law enforcement suicide has been an issue since I was a rookie. 
even before yeah. then. Joseph Wambaugh wrote about it quite a bit in his novels. But there's three things that usually go on. One is PTSD-related symptoms. The other one is substance abuse, primarily alcohol. And then you have marital problems and or disciplinary problems at work. And when all those collide, quite often the law enforcement dies by suicide. And right. you're right at that point where all three of those are colliding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I worked with a uh, a deputy. Um, I wasn't his immediate supervisor. He reported to another sergeant. He was involved in a shooting. And about six months after that, he uh, died by way of self-inflicted gunshot wound. Yeah. He, he took himself out. And, you know, sadly, he's not, not the only one. Over a, a 30-year career, I've known several who uh, I had suspected had drinking problems, um, and they committed suicide. Yeah. You know, they had other problems that exacerbated it, and they uh, they checked out. So, yeah, that, that's such a tough conversation to have because it still happens, uh, and it happens quite often, and it, and it happens more often than line of duty deaths. But um, we're going to move on to your story. So you, you had this rock bottom incident, and it was a big wake up call for you. How did yes. you go from, okay, this to all of a sudden, I'm sure it didn't happen overnight in the blink of an eye, to all of a sudden I'm a sober gentleman and my life is so much better. There had to be a lot of work in between. Yeah, I had to do the work. You know, I couldn't just uh, sit on my butt and wait for things to happen. I had to, you know, implement these lifestyle changes and and. and put them into action. You know, um, I, I had a friend ask me, um, what needs to change Keith? And, you know, being a newcomer to this whole thing, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I just, I need to stop drinking, you know, willpower. I need to, you know, he says, no, he says people, places, and things, everything needs to change. And I really didn't understand it at that time. Um, but I get it now. Um, I, I had to work on my character defects and there, there are many, uh, trust me, um, pride, ego, selfishness, you know, all of those things. Um, and the morning that I mentioned to you previously, when I woke up and, uh, after praying, God help me, it was, it was bizarre. I had never had such clear thoughts in my mind. I was acute. I became acutely aware of my character defects um, and the things about myself that I needed to change. And I started reflecting on it. And I, you know, somebody told me that journaling is good, that it's, you know, therapeutic. And I thought they were full of hooey. <laughs> um, but I decided to start writing, um, I thought, well, maybe this will help me. So I started writing. I'm like, how did I get from being, you know, a somewhat normal kid from a, a, a normal middle-class loving family to be where I am today? So I went back in chronological order and I started writing these things down. And then I, I it was just impressed upon my heart and mind. I thought, you know, I should turn this thing into a book. Because if it can help just one person, it'll it'll all be worth it. You know, I'm not looking to make money. I'm looking to help people, you know, to live a life of service. Um, I never wanted to write a book. 
never thought about it before. Uh, but, it, you know, that's the short version of how the my first book, uh, From Sorrow to Amazing Grace, came to be. Essentially, it was um, uh, I started journaling, and then that thing was turned into the book. One of the things early on when I was a much younger man, I don't do it now, journaling, but I was told to write things because... For me, at least, it's a lot harder for me to lie to myself when I'm writing. When I say lie, Mm -hmm. I mean justify, minimize, uh, explain things away, rationalize things that are irrational behavior. When Mm -hmm. I talk, I can do that. When I'm writing, it's as if tapping into an emotional side of my brain. It doesn't allow me to do that. And it becomes much more real and much more honest. Did you find that to be the case with you? I really did. I really, really did. Um... You know, and, and and touching along those lines, um, you know, in in the program of AA, there's there's the fourth step. You know, we uh, <clears throat> uh, disclose our our character defects and and give them to God, and we're willing to change. And then step five, you know, we tell another another person. I I did several fourth steps with a sponsor before the the whole debacle in 2019. Um, that writing in that journal, I was so painfully open and honest and transparent. That was the most thorough step four that I did. I really dove into my character defects and the things that I needed to change. But prior to that, it, it only scratched, I only scratched the surface. So yes, I found that, that being very thorough and writing, you know, four and a half pages worth of character defects it was really helpful it was really helpful one of the things i think that really helps is, and this is something i can't speak for everybody that comes from a first responder world or a law enforcement world that develops problems with substance abuse alcohol ptsd symptoms whatever it's incredibly difficult for me to lie to someone who has been and done the same kind of work i've done and been there done that on the flip side of this when I'm around people who have no idea what I'm talking about, they start asking me questions. I shut down. I don't want to talk. And no one gets better. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're talking with Keith Notech. When we return, we're going to talk more about his recovery from PTSD and alcoholism and how it inspired his books. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. We're doing a conversation with Keith Notek on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Keith has been on the show before. A phenomenal guy, phenomenal story. He's a retired sheriff, sergeant, police commander with 30 years of law enforcement experience in California. The trauma, the shootings, the, the line of duty deaths, deaths by suicide, all that took its toll. And he's got a profoundly awesome life today. He's an author of several books, including From Sorrow to Amazing Grace, One Cop's Journey, which has turned into a movie titled One Cop's Journey in 2022. And his latest book, Gunrunner, is a true story of our friend, Boston area detective Maria Oliveira, who was shot six times in the line of duty, died three times, and has recovered. It's a miraculous story. And we'll talk about that book in a moment. We talked earlier, Keith, about the process of journaling and then that leading into your first book. 
And in the meantime, you're doing all this work to, to change your life and become a different, become the guy you want to be. Is that a good, fair way of saying it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And not the guy that you turned into with the, the, the drinking and other things. And I'm not right. saying that is a negative. I'm just saying that's what happens to many of us. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to kill that guy off, you know, the old me, the old ugly me. And, um, you know, I couldn't do it alone. I had a support network around me. I had family and friends and, and of course, God, you know, I really had to turn everything over to God. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I used to run, try to run the show all the time. And we all know where that got right. me, um, usually got me into trouble. Yeah, so, and it usually puts me in conflict with everybody else in the world. That's right. Because they, they, a yeah. yeah, funny thing, <laughs> you know, I used to think, and I have to remind myself when I'm driving, particularly when I'm driving, I'll think someone's disrespecting me by cutting me off. And I'm getting all an attitude. I'm getting angry. And I realize they are like me. They're self-centered and they're not thinking about me. They're thinking about their life, their family, their concerns. They're not thinking about me at all. That's right. And I'm here, the same way when I get behind the wheel, boy. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cut me off, or, or, or you know, drive ten miles under the speed limit, and, and I'm losing my mind. <laughs> so you made the decision to to start a new life. You got a lot of help. You you went to a twelve step program, Alcoholics Anonymous, correct? Correct. And you're familiar with their programs? Phenomenal. If you know someone who has a drug or alcohol problem, and don't it doesn't matter how many times. They've relapsed, gone back out, whatever. If they're breathing in and out, there's hope for them. And by the way, if you are a law enforcement officer, any kind of first responder or no one who's struggling with substance abuse, alcoholism, PTSD-related symptoms, check out Shatterproof at FHE Health. Go to their website, FHEHealth.com. Look at their program, Shatterproof. Phenomenal group doing phenomenal things to help first responders rebuild their lives. So you started this journey of rebuilding, and you were journaling. That became the foundation for your first book. How did you wind up going from journaling to getting this thing published? Well, you know, I I didn't know of any other police officers who had written such a such a book. You know, I, I really didn't. I don't normally sit around and read for fun. So I started doing some research and I found a young man in Virginia named Jonathan Hickory. Um, he wrote a book called Break Every Chain. When he was on the um, show a long time ago. Great story, by the way. Phenomenal. Great story. So I read it. I, you know, I downloaded the, uh, the Kindle version and I read it and I thought, wow, this this kid's story is very sim- you know, similar to mine. There's a lot of uh, commonality in, in it. So I reached out to him and told him about myself, my background, and told him I was journaling and I was thinking about writing it uh, or turning it into a book, rather. And he told me, you know what, even if you don't get it published, uh, he said, do it anyway. He says, it'll be good therapy for you. You know, very cathartic. I'm like, oh, okay. So I I finished a manuscript, and I reached out to Jonathan again, and he said, hey, why don't you submit it to my publisher, Covenant Books? Um, they published his book. So, you know, I submitted it, and uh, the rest is history. They they liked it, and, you know, we went through the editing process back and forth, and, you know, the thing was finally published and turned into a book. And now it's a movie. 
It is. It is. It was released uh, the end of March of this year, called One Cop's Journey. Um, I, I, I will. I will add <laughs> that yeah, even though the in the opening scene it says that it's you know in, I forget if it says based on my book or inspired by my book. Um, there there are some fictional things yeah. in the book that that never took place. And of I course, had Joe Pistone on my show. He was you know famous for Donnie Brasco that movie. Mm-hmm. And he, and one of the things he said is, look, they they have to make it appealing, entertaining. A lot of things that they they put in the movie didn't happen in real life. And he gave the example and he says, and I've had to explain this to people, you know, I never hit my wife. I never did those things because mm-hmm. number one, she wouldn't stand for it. Number two, that's not the kind of guy he was. Uh, right. So I get, they have to, and they do it in the news. They do it all the time. They've got to add juice to it to make it appealing, to get more eyeballs on the story. That's right. So, you know, uh, for instance, there's a, a scene where my youngest daughter went to a, a do not police, a, a defund the police rally. Um, and the producer said, you know, I want to make it relevant for what's going on today. And, um, you know, defund the police was a big thing when during the production of that film. So he added it to the script. My daughter is the most pro-law enforcement conservative girl that you could meet but you know yeah um, they had to jazz it up they had to throw in word salad to make it more appealing (laughs) that's right the truth is your story is is magnificent enough you don't need to throw these other things in but again i get why i do that the other part of your story that i find amazing we're going to shift direction here when i had Mm -hmm. mario on a show again to tell his story and how his book came to be he said he reached out to you. Now, Mario's in Massachusetts. You're in Arizona. And Jonathan Hickory's in Virginia. So there's a big right. triangle here. So you had no intentions of writing another book when he reached out to you, didn't he? Absolutely not. I thought I was one and done. And uh, uh, I, I got a message on, uh, I think it was a Facebook message from Mario. And it went something to the effect of, you don't know me, but we have a mutual friend. And it turns out we do have a mutual friend. So when I worked with in Southern California in law enforcement, who lives in Massachusetts now, he says, she recommended I reach out to you because I want to write my story. Well, I thought what that meant was he wants to write his story, um, and he's just looking for me to, you know, go about how to how do I get this done? You know, how does the publishing process work? So I'm like, okay, I'll call this guy and see what he wants. And uh, after talking for a few minutes, he said, no, I want you to write my story. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. No <laughs> I don't want to write another yeah, I don't want to write another book. So that's what how happened, that all. What happens? Would change your mind? I, I'll tell you um, the the final uh, the thing that really reeled me in was we talked. I sat there and I listened to what he had to say, and I was blown away over the over the phone about you know. Uh, he was shot six times in the line of duty, five to the center of mass, one through his his gun hand or his wrist rather, and and uh, he died three times on the operating table. Well, that was you know amazing enough, but I didn't commit to it um, at that point. He said, "Do me a favor." 
He says, I'm going to text you a video, and I want you to watch it and then tell me what you think. So I said, sure, you know, uh, at, at that time, I just so happened to be getting on a plane the following morning to fly out to West Virginia uh, for the f- uh, filming of One Cop's Journey. So I was kind of busy at the time. So I'm like, okay. So he, he sent me a 20-minute video. My wife and I watched it. It was an interview of Mario and his surgeon, Dr. David King. And it was such a powerful video. You you may have seen it uh Jay, so you may know the video that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. By the end of this video, my wife and I were bawling like little babies. It, it was so emotional. Um, and I thought to myself, holy smokes, this is such a powerful story. Why would I not want to be a part of it? So I called so Mario back. Yeah, yeah, me Where, too. In your book, uh, the book is called Gunrunner. Where can people get it? Oh man, it's it's widely available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Walmart online, Target online. It's even available in some uh, brick and mortar stores. And you, there's a Facebook page uh, titled Gun Runner, the book, isn't it? Yes, there's a Facebook page. It's called Gun Runner Book. And last but not least, before we leave, how can people get in touch with you? They can find me on, uh, well, either on the Gunrunner Facebook page or through LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. Keith, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Thanks for sharing your story. All very much appreciated. Thank you so much, Jay. This is a pleasure. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. And if you're able, leave an honest review and or rating. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.